Hello, everyone. I'm Dan Mosier, and this is the Mosier Media Podcast. Today, I want to talk about ADHD. And when you're operating in the creative world, if you're running a business in the creative field, or maybe you're managing creatives, and you don't want to do any stereotyping, you don't want to do an ADHD or somewhere on the spectrum diagnosis to describe people in the creative field. This is not right. But what you want to do recognize is that all of us have gifts and talents and traits. And there are some traits that seem to run through those who choose the creative field. We all have something in common. We all have something to bring to the table. But one of the things I have learned in my decades in this field is to figure out I need to bring in people who counterbalance my weaknesses. And I really need to identify where my weaknesses are. And there is nothing wrong with putting it out there, talking about what your shortcomings are, and then finding people who counterbalance your shortcomings because they're stronger in an area where you're weaker. And if you can put together a team where everybody brings something and we all counterbalance each other and we work together with with respect for each other's uh, talents and skills, but also recognizing our own shortcomings, this could be the formula for success. And in terms of putting it out there where my shortcomings are, and there's a lot, one of my favorites is the ADHD diagnosis. And back in the day, in the 80s, when I was a kid, ADD was the diagnosis. I think it's possible that I am case number one in terms of putting the hyperactivity, putting the H in ADHD. I think I am patient number one. And I believe that it's possible that ADD was a thing. And then I came along and they said, okay, we've got to put hyperactive into ADD and now it's ADHD. So now I'm raising a child and my son is 14 and he has ADHD as the doctor diagnosed it. But the challenge is here, my son is not hyperactive. He has trouble focusing and the ADHD medication helps tremendously in school. You take it in the morning, he's able to focus, he's able to get his brain focused on school, which is, of course, his number one job. Very important that we do well in school. But he doesn't have the hyperactive component. And this is fascinating to me because I grew up being the child in the doctor's office while the doctor explains to my parents what all the components or issues are when you have ADD or ADHD. And now here I am in the doctor's office as the parent, listening to how it is now. And the doctor's explaining to me that he can't be diagnosed ADD. It has to be ADHD because there's only one thing now, ADHD. So I said, well, can't we take the hyperactive component out of it? And you can't. But this is a wonderful doctor. I love our doctor. She's working through this, and it is absolutely fascinating to be on the other side of this. And as the doctor is explaining all these things about ADHD, I'm 
beginning to learn more about myself because it doesn't just go away. Certainly, I have this as an adult, but I don't know if I would have had the opportunity to be reminded of all of the things that come along with ADD and ADHD had I not been in this situation where my son is in the doctor's office with the doctor explaining this to us. And the other component to this is the idea of impulsivity. In the creative field, in the creative field, impulsivity can be good. In the real world, it can be bad. I remember making very poor choices as a teenager based on an impulsive idea. I won't get into any of the stories, but you can just imagine once you have your license and you're, you're working a part-time job in the restaurant, and you got a little money and you got all your friends in the car. If you are an impulsive person, you know, trouble ensues, certainly. So what the doctor has explained to me is the idea that the ADHD medication can reduce impulsivity. And uh, again, impulsivity is good in the creative field, I believe. You're working on an idea, you're brainstorming, or you're putting on a team building event and things are going along well, but you're coming up with ideas to entertain. Impulsivity can be great. Impulsivity is great in writing, in collaborating in putting all those ideas on the board. You have to have that impulsive sort of things pop into your brain. I would say I'm pretty well equipped to raise a child with ADHD. I have compassion, I have understanding, and I have all of those things that that go along with ADHD. But more importantly, I feel I'm in a good position to understand that many of those who choose to work in the creative field may either be on the spectrum or have ADHD. And I always have more questions than answers. I am not an expert on any of these topics, but I understand the concepts. And one important thing to do here is not to make accommodations, but to understand that there is no such thing as normal. We never want to say, well, that behavior isn't normal. That person isn't normal. That's not right. In many ways, the traits that we all have certainly are a gift. So we're not making accommodations as employers in the creative field, as parents raising a child with whatever condition or traits. We have to toss out the idea that that person isn't normal. And certainly if we are working in the creative field, if you are running a business where you need the services of creatives to help you create art to build your business, or if you're going to build a creative services team in your company, and you're going to recruit and hire those who have degrees in graphic design or photography, then you need to understand these ideas. Some of the most creative and brilliant people I know and have worked with have severe social anxiety disorder. This trait is what creates the need for someone like me to do what I do. Incredibly talented creatives who are uncomfortable talking to clients or prospects need those of us who may like talking, may feel we're good at talking, but we're not as strong creatively perhaps, or we just don't have the ability to see something through to finish a project. And again, the idea of the counterbalance. So I started as a freelancer, I shot video, I did video projects all through my my 20s, had a blast. 
But then as I wanted to grow the business and grow my career, I recognized I needed people who could do it better than I could. And I needed to hire an editor or a graphic designer. I needed to step away from the camera and focus on building the business, bringing in more projects and clients and building a team. And they, the creatives that came in, realized, here's a guy who understands the creative process, who understands us, but can go out and find the work so we can focus on what we love doing, that is the creative, creating great video. Creatives need a salesperson, but not just any salesperson. They need someone who respects their process, respects their needs and their goals, and who represents them with a passion. A person who can admit their own shortcomings and maybe slightly quirky, is better than that star salesperson who is completely polished but is full of ego and reminds everyone of the popular jock in school. One of the benefits of ADHD is what I think of as the brain's processing power. And how many of us have heard this idea that we're only using 10% of our brain's true potential? It might be less for me, frankly. But I have to share that when I am faced with a challenge, my brain comes up with six solutions to the challenge in about 10 seconds. The challenge I have with solving these challenges is that I can't remember the solutions 10 seconds after the challenge is presented and I've thought of all these solutions. I can only remember maybe solution five and six. I can't remember what I thought of as solutions one through four. They're gone. They are gone. When I sit down with a friend or a client or someone that I work with comes to me and says, we have a problem here. They outline the problem. My brain just goes crazy, especially if I've had a lot of coffee. If you get me in the morning on caffeine, boy, the caffeine just it just gets those synopsis firing, doesn't it? The stimulant. At two o'clock in the afternoon, we're all crashing. Not as a, a, a optimum of a time to be solving problems. But you hit me at nine o'clock in the morning with a challenge and my brain goes to town. What I have learned as an adult working through my ADHD is that I have to write things down. Had I thought of this in school, I would have done better academically. And that was always the challenge. And I even say it to my son. Why don't you write things down? I have to write things down. But more importantly, one solution I've discovered as an adult working through my ADHD is that I need detail-oriented people around me to balance out my shortcomings. I could not work without a staff. And another solution I have come up with is to email things to myself on my phone. I have developed a series of codes. So when a solution to a problem comes to me, something we're facing that we need to solve, I will simply email myself with the code in the subject line for what the problem is I want to solve. This email on the phone method has helped me tremendously. And there has to be some science on this, but there's something that we call windshield time, where we're in the car, we're driving on the highway, let's say we're alone in the car, 
and your brain starts working through all of the challenges you have. And maybe you've got a cup of coffee with you. You've started on a road trip. So you have the stimulant and you have the road coming at you and you have the physical action of holding on to the steering wheel and managing the gas pedal and acceleration. And you have the, of course, the brain activity related to managing other people in traffic. So you've got trucks and cars and, and people coming on the highway and people uh, turning in front of you and changing lanes over here. And so you have all of this brain activity going on just in managing moving down the highway. But for some reason, when I am driving, ideas come to me, solutions come to me. I start working through everything that's going on as if I'm meditating and I'm very focused on the road. And only by the grace of God, I have never caused a car accident. I have never crashed a car and I've never had an auto insurance claim. So I'm safe on the road and I have a a text to talk kind of talk to text kind of thing on my phone. Of course, like we all do. We have the Bluetooth in the car. I've got all the technology that is supposed to keep us safe. So I'm not typing as I'm driving. But when an idea comes to me, I email it to myself and I put these codes in. I think of an idea for a blog. I think of a solution to a problem we have. I frequently think of promotions or marketing ideas while I'm driving. And the strange thing about this is when I get back to the office, and again, this could be two or three in the afternoon, and I'm coming down off the caffeine or I'm, I'm, you're having that afternoon crash. I review all of the things that I've emailed myself, and frankly, there are times that I don't even remember coming up with it. Should this be alarming? Is this just the way the brain works? Again, this goes back to the idea that I feel like living with adult ADD or adult ADHD or whatever you want to call it, that there's not only the focus issue, but a little bit of memory loss or a little bit of being able to sit down at a computer to focus on a task is so much different than driving the car when your brain is doing other things. And I remember at one point a, a specialist in ADHD giving students or those with ADHD a, uh, a ball to play with, to, something to flip in your hand. In fact, that's why these fidget spinners became so popular. This idea that if you had something in your hand that was spinning, if you were doing some other activity, like driving a car, that you just needed to keep something moving and you had to concentrate in a way on keeping that moving, then that somehow frees up some other part of your brain to be able to have better cognitive function, to be able to focus on something else, to be able to solve problems. I don't understand any of it other than I live it every day. And when I sit down at a computer to finish a task or to start a task or to write something, my mind goes blank. I can write a blog in my head while I'm driving, but I cannot sit at a computer in the afternoon and stare at the blank screen and come up with anything creative or interesting. I can't finish a task. And this is perhaps why standing desks are popular. Standing at a desk helps. But all of these things that go on in our brains, all these things we learn about ourselves as we get older, the summary of it is that how do we take these things that might be viewed as shortcomings and flip the script, turn them into a blessing, turn them into a strength, 
And I believe the first step is admitting the shortcoming, not in a self-deprivating kind of way. You don't need to make fun of yourself, although I do. I always enjoy self-deprivating humor. But also, I think that's a way that I put my shortcomings out there to a group that I work with or a group that I'm involved with or in a relationship. You can just go ahead and identify and, and maybe poke a little fun at yourself and acknowledge where you fall short. But then at the same time, recognize the strengths of those around you and explain how not to get out of doing a task, but how they're going to do this because they're better at it. And, uh, you know, this whole concept could explain why many creatives get frustrated when they're interrupted or need to be in a special place when they create art. Those who simply function differently than we do or those who are considered to be normal can't understand this. And here's the idea. If you are an entrepreneur and you believe that you're normal and you believe that some of the creatives that you work with on your marketing or your, maybe you think your web designer is kind of quirky and weird and you in your back of your mind, uh, you think that he's a lesser person or kind of just kind of odd. This is going to come through in the way that you communicate. And if you can find a way to understand the idea that there is no normal, that we are all a little quirky and that this person brings a tremendous amount of talent to the table and that you may be the client or you may be the manager or the boss, but that you have shortcomings that this person is going to help you with. This person is going to fill in the blanks where you're clueless. There has to be a level of respect. There has to be a level of respect. And you get more out of the relationship if you analyze all of your shortcomings and you have a tremendous amount of respect for those who can balance it out and fill in the blanks. Is it possible that being diagnosed as hyperactive or with ADHD is a blessing and not a curse? Back in the day, it was. It was, the, you know, this kid is a problem, and we have this medication that can solve it. But in thinking it through, I believe it's possible that all of us who have something that other people label, we need to look at it as a blessing, as a strength, as a way that we can complement somebody who doesn't have this affliction or this trait or this diagnosis. We must find a way to use all of what we have, all of what we've been given to improve our situation, but more importantly, to make the world a better place and to improve the lives of those around us. Certainly, I love this field. I love when somebody calls me and says, you know, I've been doing some freelance photography and I'm thinking about starting a business. I'm thinking about quitting my job. And this is where that leap of faith comes in. And there are a lot of people who have worked a career, 20 some years, and now they're ready. And frankly, perhaps that 20 years of experience on their resume is what qualifies them in that field to go out and start their own business. But the leap of faith. And so people call me for advice. And so I have 
put together all these topics on this podcast as a way to archive all of my thoughts and to put together maybe the best talking points to advise those who reach out to me. Always an honor when somebody reaches out to me and says, I am thinking about starting my own thing. And I don't know what that's going to look like, but I know I'm quitting my job. And I know that whatever this thing is, I'm going to be relying on it for my income. And as part of that, you could be on either side of what I'm talking about here today. You could be that person who's really good at going out and finding clients, but not as good as creating the most impressive product or seeing it through to the end, delivering something great that exceeds the client's expectations. Maybe you're okay at it. Maybe you're good at it. But there are people who are better at the talk and not as good as the, at the follow through. And I might fall into that category. But you have to think through who's going to save you, who's going to bail you out, who's going to make sure if your livelihood is now counting on your ability to deliver this this art or this this product or this service to a client for money, how are you going to come up with the team of employees or contractors or freelancers, even managing the clients, how are you going to put together the whole equation with a group that balances out your shortcomings and delivers for you so you don't fail? And understanding the concept that there is no normal and that if you walk into a situation and there's a person that looks a little frumpy or they're just a little disheveled. Maybe the person doesn't quite uh, speak in a meeting and you're turned off by this, the person with blue hair and you can't see past their traits or their afflictions and understand how much creativity they could bring to your project. And you're immediately judging based on what you think is normal, then you're not going to make it. And the same thing goes for clients. There are clients that might come to you and just give you a terrible first impression. And you think, oh, my gosh, I could never work with this person. But this could go in any direction, clients and crew. And I'm always speaking from the viewpoint of the person that likes to build a creative team and then likes to go out and find clients and and put the two together. And I will never forget on the first day of intro to marketing at the University of Akron, we reviewed the concept that marketing is the activity of bringing buyers and sellers together. And I love marketing, certainly. Activities of bringing, that involve bringing buyers and sellers together. This is the definition of marketing. So certainly the buyers are the clients and the sellers are the creative team. And you as the marketing person who wants to be a successful entrepreneur brings these groups together to create value. And so even if you're running an internal video production department at a large company or you're an entrepreneur starting a business, you have clients and you have to have some help. You have to have crew. And what if you think through the idea that there is no normal? In line with the discussion we're having about people that are on the spectrum, those of us with ADD or ADHD, and the idea of the creatives versus the clients versus the 
a sales staff. Let's visit the idea that certainly sales and production within an organization are going to have conflict at any given time. There could be a situation where the sales staff is making promises to clients and production maybe isn't getting things done or maybe the sales staff feels like production needs to just move it along. And this is where respect and, and understanding can come in. And let's take the example of a print shop. What if there's a print shop that has a number of printers, they have production people, they have a graphic design department, and then they have salespeople out there dealing with clients? It is possible that the salespeople could go out there, make promises to clients, take orders, bring things in, and then the graphic design department and the creatives running that department might do something that the client doesn't like and there's a conflict. And of course, the salesperson or account executive at the print shop has to balance this out. Or it goes to production and the machine screws something up or the colors don't come out exactly as they should. Everyone has the style guide. They have the, the colors have to be uh, matching the brand of the client. The client says, our blue is this blue and it's got to be that blue. And if it, uh, you, know, you print 8,000 pieces and they all come out wrong, it's all got to go back. And then there's the blame game and there's these conflicts. But if everybody in the equation has a, a compassion and respect of everyone else's position and everybody's working together as a team, then there can be efficiencies. Things can go well. So it has to do with the corporate culture you're setting up at this operation. In this example, we have to think through, do the creatives view the salespeople as, as clueless as to how their process works? Do the salespeople think of themselves as normal and all the creatives and production people are kind of weird and abnormal? Do the salespeople have respect for their clients? Is there a solid relationship between the account executive and the client so that the account executive can smooth over through good communication any problems that might arise in production or in the creative? Any of us that work in the creative field in photography or printing or in graphic design or in web development, we understand all of these things. But perhaps on the part of the creatives, on the part of all of us who might say, well, that person is normal and I'm not normal. We do have to toss out this idea of normal. And you might nominate people to sell for you that you do remember as the person or they remind you of that person in high school that was popular or who did well socially and they did well in sports and maybe they weren't as interested in the creative field, but they perhaps did well academically. I don't know. But we hire these people that can put on a shirt and tie and have have the right look. We call them client facing. And again, we might call them normal. But perhaps in this discussion about how we all work together and how we all recognize our shortcomings and our strengths and how we can complement each other. Perhaps those in the creative field need to look at their shortcomings or what they might view as the gifts that they've been given and how they can also toss out the idea of normal when looking at the account executives or the clients and have a respect for where they are in their journey and where they came from and what their background is. And perhaps that's the summary is if we can all think about our shortcomings 
And if we can all see people and greet them and accept them right where they are, whether they're coming down on us because something isn't right or whether they've screwed up a deal for us because the colors are wrong, then we can all work together as a team. Then we can add value. I really enjoy these podcasts. I enjoy presenting these topics, and I hope you've enjoyed listening. Please find us, facebook.com slash Mosier Media, youtube.com slash Mosier Media, on Twitter and Instagram, at Mosier Media. And of course, subscribe to our YouTube channel. And of course, you can always email dan at MosierMedia.com. I would love to have feedback and your thoughts on the topics, subjects, and ideas I've presented in this podcast and in all the others. And as I've often said, I leave you with more questions than answers. Even after three decades of working in this field, I know I have a lot to learn. So write me, give us feedback, and we hope to talk to you soon. Have a great day.